Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Disclaimer time. This is where I tell everyone to lighten up. It's just a podcast. Trading is like that roller coaster at the amusement park. Thrilling, unpredictable, and potentially stomach churning. What works for one person might leave another clutching their hat in the wind. Our hosts and guests, they're awesome, knowledgeable, full of insights, but we're not financial advisors. So don't rush to make any investment decisions based solely on our banter. Always consult with professional or do your own research. Plus, let's face it, we like to have fun, laugh, enjoy the trading ride together. It's all in the name of good podcasting fun. So remember, take it easy, don't bet the farm, and keep your seatbelts on at all times. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the China Shop, home of the Band of Traders podcast, and sometimes referred to as what? Carl Weathers Fan Club? <laughs> oh, I know. I felt really sad when I saw that. Yeah. Moment of silence. Yeah. For the Mandalorian. All right. Okay. I'm your host, Kyle. Tonight, I'm joined by Vanta Trading's Baba Yaga and our head of quality control, Joel MC. On uh, tonight's show, we'll be discussing scaling into positions, uh, followed by everyone's favorite topic, journaling. After that, we're going to look at our past week, the good, bad, and ugly, uh, before wrapping up with some new bold predictions. And while we wait for Banks to send us that update on his daughter's meat, let's get some self-promotion shit out of the way. Okay, next week, I think we'll be releasing the first installment of our new economic miniseries with Eric Mason, but it might also be the long-awaited interview with Vico that uh, Bob and I are trying to get scheduled. Uh, we got true. them both scheduled for next week, so we'll see which one gets edited first. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at FinancialInept1. You can join that Discord if you want to get updates or send in suggestions for future topics and guests. And last but not least, the shameless website plug, bandoftraderspodcast.com. Browse that guest directory. Check out the deals and discounts we've collected over the past three years. And Baba, what do you got to share oh man okay um well i don't have permission to share anything but i'm just gonna do it anyways (laughs) because i'll just say this that um we had a we had a uh we had a call the other night with the room um that was just really fun and um i think it was helpful and informative and just the interaction was great and 
it made me think I, w- I would like to have more times like that with with our people and with more people um, and be able to engage with them in that way. So I'm not sure what that means, but it's m- making me want to be creative about um, about how we currently do Vanta and what we could do differently possibly to foster more moments like that. How about that? Uh, I love it. And that's that actually uh, awesome. We'll be revisiting a little bit of that uh, later on in the episode because that made it on my good, bad, and ugly list. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah. Uh, Joel, you got anything to promote? Share? I am going to take a moment and I'm going to promote our strategy and back testing segment we do every two weeks on Monday night. Um, do it. It's growing. It's a lot of fun. It started out just Kyle and I sharing some time. And now um, other people are jumping in, throwing out ideas, and it's gone from just sharing to educational. So it's super, super awesome. Yeah, well, I think uh, we're probably going to have to start putting a sign-up list together maybe or something, or maybe have yeah. some actual, like, an agenda for it. So that way we can try to keep it on target for what we originally set out to do, which was to improve our backtesting processes and share strategies. Yeah, I'm hoping to have a few conversations with a few people to maybe build a structure for it. Nice. And uh, not quite a course, but mm-hmm. uh, but some structure and something that people can go to and refer to. I love it, dude. I love yeah. it. All right. Well, we'll have all those links in the episode description, so you can check them out if you want to support the show and our panelists and friends here. Uh, let us check in with those bold predictions from last week. So, Joel, you're going to have to eat Banks's uh, not so great predictions this week. That's okay. Uh, he had predicted that there'd be no rate cuts till June. So, I think he's still looking good on that one, right? Or we hold steady yep. in February. Yeah. Um, set in the message saying that his daughter had placed third. So, not quite the three firsts in a row that he protect he had predicted, but still pretty solid showing. Uh, Overall. I was going to say, she showed up to play. That's awesome. She did. Hey, she's on the podium, right? Yep. Uh, let's see. And then he also had another one, the real one. He said, Apple hitting $200 a share, and that did not happen. <laughs> Out of the big seven stocks to bet on for earnings, uh, we picked the wrong one there. <laughs> so, bad Joel. Yeah, uh, that's okay. Fix <laughs> uh, and I'll be fine. Baba, what was your prediction, man? I was having a hard time trying to remember it. My prediction was that um, that the well, I guess that would be the three peat or two peat back to back champs, whatever right. of yep. um, trivia. And uh, my wife came through clutch. Although this one was harder and much closer, there was still a victory on trivia night last Friday night. Did anybody else participate, or did your wife answer every question again this time? Um, she had um, she had some help this time. Yeah, it was a lot harder. Oh, see, I was but, gonna say that would have been the bolder prediction. Say that she was gonna I'm do it all on her own. Yeah. Well, here's what would happen. A lot of times the question it'd be difficult. It's like kicking around, uh uh, someone would say something and then that would spark her. She'd be right. like, Oh, it's this. So she answered a lot of them, but there was some help. There was some contribution, bro. That's why it's good to have community, right? Yep, there you go. No man's an island. All right. Uh, I had predicted Joel was going to win two M period challenges this month, not just his first, but also his second. Uh, he almost pulled off that epic comeback today, but man, J Mac was just on a freaking roll today. Uh, he smashed that thing. He finished with 132 points. 
Uh, yeah, I think yeah. I think he had 110 by like the first like five or ten minutes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. smashed it. Uh, oh man, I I wanted to throw in that raise the controversy on the the extra lot there, but uh, uh, I feel like that would probably be cheating, tipping the scales to make my predictions happen. If the honesty of the guy was, I got to delete some points. You yeah. have to let him. <laughs> Plus, I mean, we he showed us the logs. It was only like a four point swing, it made yeah. no difference. Exactly. Yeah, he did All very right. good. All right. Well, we're gonna have some more bold predictions later on uh, towards the end of the episode. But for now, I think we should get into our first topic. Which Joel, you uh, kind of prepared the the list to choose from this week. So you want to kick us off with scaling? Like, what direction you want to take that in? Uh, we're gonna take scaling in two directions. Two uh, directions. Gonna... We're going to scale in against your position and we're going to scale in with your position. How do you scale against your position? Uh, the deeper it goes against you, you keep adding. <laughs> oh, oh, doubling down or martingaling, you mean? Right. And so, or even, um, I'd like to talk about it adding to a position, but also um, like how you can cut it and then jump in later um, with the same, you know, you put one lot on, stop out, goes down another 10 points. You put that same lot back on, goes down another 10 points, you try again. Um, so kind of more like a, how how many times you keep giving a idea that's failing a try kind of thing? Right, exactly. Um, so those two, and then uh, the one that I think has in the last three weeks has shown me a totally different side is adding to winners mm. and how that can be an absolute game changer. Yeah. Isn't it weird that like our inclination is to pile in like bear saying in the chat, when you're losing, you want to add more, like that's your instinct is to double up or triple up or just keep slinging more on and hope that it comes back. But and why... when you're winning, you're looking for your exit, right? Yeah. Which is the it's exact wild. opposite. We hear Flaherty talk about wild. that all the time. He says, you, snap your fingers you made 30 points and like you know the couple seconds of like some crazy activity like you should be asking why not getting out and getting paid like add yeah something's so, happening something's shifting that's the direction i want to go um i have a little bit to talk about with it but i'm hoping there's another fella here that's got a few opinions that we can lean on on his expertise what do you want to let Kyle? Bob what do you have to say about it? So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> we'd be better served to get Baba's thoughts first. But if you want to set the stage with uh, some of the things that you've been seeing uh, to give Baba maybe some more context of what to talk about, let's start with adding to losers. Mm -hmm. And um, part of like it's not there's a difference I think between adding to a loser and actually scaling in as price moves against you. I mean, oh, if you like, yeah. if you've got say an eight to 10 point zone where you're anticipating a reaction, um, if you put one contract on at the front of that zone and then you add say two in the middle and another one at the bottom of the zone, if you're still in your zone and you had planned to trade four contracts, um, that could be advantageous scaling, right? versus um, I want to get in at 80 
I jump in at 80. Now it's trading 70 and I'm getting nervous. I just need to get back to 80. So do I add one at 70 and then do I add one at 60 and where does it stop? Hmm. I think those are two very different things. I think I, I know I've experimented a lot with that where like, uh, like I'll want to buy like the first touch of the area and then I'll like, I'll set one at like 75 or 50% of the retrace as like the, the main, like that's where I want to enter, but I'll take one up higher just in case it doesn't get to get my fill and goes without me. Right. Um, but I'm not sure that that's necessarily the best approach. The more I've been playing with that. Right. And then it can also lead us into, uh, like a sort of a part B to it. If we have time of, do you just go all in four contracts at this level with a certain stop, or do you put on one and then wait for a part of your move? And that's where you start to add. I think we know how Baba likes to trade. I've been watching enough of his screen shares to know that he likes scaling into a trade that's already shown him something, but I'll let, I'll let him talk through it. Let's go. What do you got Baba? Yeah, I think this is a, this is a timely topic actually. Because it's been this this idea has I think I actually mentioned it I mentioned this today or yesterday when we were we were talking back through the day or talking back through what was that with Mark D and the something Discord? maybe yeah I can't remember um but it but it's it's something I've just been thinking about in the last few weeks actually so I I mean you you guys have both seen me trade enough to know. That generally speaking, I'm not buying um, like the first touch of anything or like the slice, the like slice move into my zone. Mm-hmm. Very, I would say very seldom. Oftentimes, what I'm looking for is to get on the on the on the right side, not like appropriate side. Although I think it is, but like literally to the right side of that of the thing on a on a five twelve trade or thirty second chart. If you're entering on the kind of the base of the open or close of like an aggressive candle down that tagged into your zone, you got to think that on a one minute chart or five minute chart, you're going to be entering in the wick. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a one right. hour chart, you're probably going to be if you if the trade ends up being right, you're going to be in the bottom part of a wick. So uh, it's I almost f- like zoom out your. Not just like when you're looking at charts for trends, but even when you're considering where your entries are, like zoom out and look and see what's transpired. Yeah, I mean, just awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like awareness of where where this is happening on uh, in, in the whole picture. So I like to get on the right side of like the aggressive move, not so much. I, I and that's a change. Like I, I feel like I can actually, I feel like I can get better entries if I am more aggressive. Like the low today, for instance, being a spot that I really wanted to interact with. But I mean, I, I, I tried did, to buy it. I'll tell you what yeah. happens. You put a 10 point stop on there, it wicks you out by five and then goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, what happens when you try to buy the wrong side of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. But see, but there was a right side of that too. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't, I didn't jump in. Well, like, oh, we got news coming up. And I've been burned on the news side so many times. Um, and I've been burned on the buying the straight thing. And so my general approach, sorry to ramble, but for scaling is I want to see interaction with my level. And then I want to have the ability to risk something off of something meaningful. And then after that, you know, I, I like to see something. 
I have found myself lately, I like to see them kind of prove it to me a little bit, and then I may add on a pullback or add as we are moving in my direction. Um, you know, it's it kind of um, it's kind of hard sometimes. I, I feel lately to throw on a full position size when when I when nothing has been quite proven just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But 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 to the point of all this, it's also. It's also tough because you like to have a great entry and you know that every ad you make is is pulling that entry up. So there's a little there's a little conflict even for me in that. Like like I said, I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks, like like last week, week and a half, is like, man, I, I wonder if if I should be um, a little more aggressive on my first batch of, of of entries and be a little more aggressive on that first set of scales and then add back like as the move continues to prove it to me or confirm and just be comfortable with risking what, you know, what I've got in it. But I think the, the, the key is like you have to price has to be somewhere that at least matters to you. Mm -hmm. And then you'll know pretty soon if it matters to anybody else. (laughs) That's very true. Very true. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter how key it is for you, your system, your process, which I can get hung up on that sometimes. It really matters that the market at large, whoever or whatever you believe that is, um, is also thinking that that area has some significance, and you would in in and you need to see something that tells that story. I think there's been times over the last stretch of trading for me where my standard for what the market has to prove for me to be willing to participate has actually kind of uh at times with with some of the pressure that i've been i've talked about in past episodes um like i'm i'm actually not being stingy enough with or was with making everything jump through the hoops that i have and what i want to see so when it comes to scaling i think the more confirmation you can build in and and then and then add to the position as as what your thesis is confirmed. Because if you think you're buying a local swing low that is going to be the swing low for at least the next 30 points, then that idea is invalid once we trade below that. So mm-hmm. if you're trading an entry within five to seven points of it, it might be hard to get your stop to break even because break even doesn't invalidate the trade, right? So you're yeah. going to have to assume some right. measure of risk. But at the same time... Um, if you add six points above that and we don't ever move far enough for you to get all of your scales off or whatever, then it's, it's okay. It just means that, you know, that was not the best idea for that moment. I think that's so then how you think yeah. is getting your yeah. scales off because when you're going to add to a position on the way up, um, it's caused me, I now have to start looking for a target. Where is this thing going to slow down? Where is it going to stop? And where could it turn? Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to keep adding as it keeps climbing, you're going to run out of contracts or you're going to run out of runway. Yeah, I love that. Um, you you always want to run out of contracts first. Yeah, absolutely. And you also don't want to put your last contract on at the high. <laughs> yeah, that's not ideal. Yeah. Right. And so well, if you don't have a target, you got to have a target that's still out far enough. If your target is, 30 points away and you've moved 26 points when you're going to add your last contract, maybe you wait for it to go 34 and come back and retest your target at 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if we want to get, so 
if we if we just talk strategy of adding, if we could swim in that river for a minute. Yeah, so let's do it. Think about think about this, and this is something I try to think about. But I mean, you guys are around. It's there's a lot going on, and sometimes it's it's so. Um, thirty second chart. Okay, so visualize in your mind thirty second candle bars printing. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, we go up a little bit, or we come down to a key level. We get a responsive bid, and then we and then we come back to some measure. There's your entry. You're risking off the swing low, uh, or whatever. You have a fair value gap you have initiation large market orders delta volume profile level whatever you have you enter there okay there's your 30 second pullback okay well the 30 second chart um none of the none of the time frames move in a straight line so the 30 second chart rebids and then you need to see enough up movement on the 30 second chart to build a few one minute candles and then if you're if you think about then looking at a one minute chart if you made a low on the one minute, your executions on the 32nd are going to be in that candle that actually made the low or maybe the body of the next candle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then that one minute chart's going to go up some amount. And then it's going to most likely, unless it was this morning, <laughs> off, that <laughs> level that, off that level at the lows, that one minute chart's going to go up to some extent and pull back. A lot of times that first pullback is the one that that your mind not you joel or you kyle but our mind will um our inner voice will instead of be our champion it will become our critic and oh this trade's gonna go against me and here it comes and so we sk- we go ahead and cut some off early but that's simply just the next time frame catching its breath its right. pullback yeah and then and then think of then what is what do you need to see on the one minute chart for the five minute to build enough distance for it to have room to maybe take it swing high. And then it needs to do what it needs to pull back and re and if you want to really like a good move, it needs to be built on this. It, and now we don't have to re pull back every 15 points and rebid that creates a scenario where, you know, where stops get trailed duh, 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 and then we see that waterfall on the other side, but we do need to see a couple of pullbacks. So I would say, one of the things I tr- I have tried to be better about with scaling is if I if I wasn't in a position, but but, but I am. But if I wasn't in a position, then um, I want to enter an ad in a place where I would want to take a long. Mm-hmm. If I were just sitting on the sidelines, and that's really hard right. to do because you think to yourself, "Oh, well, that first entry's twenty points lower, so I can just throw the entry in anywhere." be surprised i mean i've been <laughs> on the down no, on the wrong side of that that you know the pullback can ruin a great entry quickly. exactly yeah. and and the thought is like oh well i'll never get the other opportunity so but so then what your standard for taking a trade goes down to serve the desire to have a larger trade on that's silly like mm-hmm. when you say it out loud none of us think like oh great idea let's do that every day <laughs> right right <laughs> oh you know what i'll just take my standards down a hundred percent and take really bad entries uh because why not it's like no let's so i think that's part of it you know it's not thinking of that first entry as like the thing that um oh it's so low so my average is only going to move up this much but kind of think of it like almost like it doesn't exist in a way and like okay where would the next awesome entry be mm-hmm. and then just treat that neck and if you get it you get it if you don't you don't i think when we enter small size we think that maybe gives us a license to 
to scale a little more flippantly. Mm-hmm. I think we enter with small size, and if we're given the opportunity to add, we get to add. The, you mentioned uh, when you first started talking about the the starting with a smaller position and then adding to it as being the thing that you've been doing most recently. You said that your standards you thought have been kind of slipping a little bit. Do you think that, mm-hmm. that maybe that's because you're not putting a full position on initially that it no, causes you I to think- be... Well, I think, yeah, so I think what I think the the deal with that was that if I, I was looking back at some of my trading entries, some of my journal links and some of that stuff, which is fun that we'll talk about that today, too. And I was just thinking, like, um, where was the great entry like that I see that lines up with and then where did I enter? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and a lot of it was front running front running an area oh they're not going to get all the way down there and i want to be long and and so i'm gonna just buy ahead of this spot or this area or whatever and then it's like oh my gosh i just took a stop well now we're close enough to the area where if i enter here the area is is within my range of stops so i'll just go ahead and enter right like that's that is uh, that is lazy and bad (laughs) and so then so then it goes to your area and you think, all right, here we are. Now it's time to bounce. And then what do we, what almost always inevitably we squeak a few points below the area you wanted to execute just far enough to take the stop from the bad entry. And then it's, you know, rocket ship up and you, you lost 30 points being right about what was going to unfold because of your inability, my, or my inability at, in some moments to, just be okay with if we don't get down to where if they don't meet my standards, they might meet Kyle's, they might meet Banks, they might meet whoever. But if it doesn't meet mine, I ain't trading it. Mm-hmm. I was just going to add to that the um, the great George Papazov of put your entry where your stop is, yeah, and put your stop down where it's supposed to be. Yeah, so he also had some great gems like bottom pickers get smelly fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so funny. that's that's what that made me think of. Yeah, so scaling, I think. Can can I ask uh, a question of y'all? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It's on the same. It's on the same subject. So, talk about. Um, did either of you go through this this idea? How how easy it is? How easy is it for traders to tell themselves that I'm scaling into a position when in reality they're just adding until they can't take the pain anymore? I've done that in M period. But that's the only time I think I've done that anytime recently. Yeah. And I've learned the difference of it in the last three weeks because my new strategy is actually named the adder. Oh, mm. oh okay. Right. Okay. And like so, a snake or like, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I don't know about that. But <laughs> no, it's actually, I named it the Ranko adder. And mm. what it is, is I buy one at the low and then each pullback on the way up. I add another one until I hit four contracts. And so that gives me, lets me buy that low with one contract of risk. And by the time I get up to the target, I'm holding three or four contracts. Hmm. Yeah. I just, I wanted to just. It's very different. Yeah, it is. I just, I think it's important to say that just for anybody listening that you just have to, if it's a defined strategy, like you're talking about, yeah. or you're like, this is the play, the play is by here. And then add, 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 add. I think what I was kind of leading to is, um, there's a lot of traders that I have talked to 
that um, they're just in a tough spot and they want, you know, to be a part of the market and they want to make points or whatever. And they know that generally the market's going to bounce somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so they'll just, um, okay, well, I know that like this level I want to, I want to buy. So they buy some and then if it goes five, seven, eight, nine, ten more points, they just buy a little bit more. But that's not part of their strategy, but they know, well, mm. now my average is down five more. And yeah, then it goes that. a little more and they add a little bit more. And even with micro, it's like you can kind of get in a in a mess with that. If you if you get up to, you know, twenty five, thirty five micros, you I mean, that's still gonna end up being a real pain if you're wrong, because the market will go further in either direction than you have enough money. So when we're talking about adding or scaling in or whatever, we that is to a strategy, to a plan. And like Joel just right. said, as it goes in my favor, I'm buying pullbacks, you know, and I'm and even when I'm saying like as I get confirmation that I'm right, I can add a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say that you can't go all in on your own on an entry right right when it gets to where you want. I'm just saying for us. So don't right. don't confuse adding to a position with martingaling mm -hmm. you know that, yeah yes i've never really had to deal with adding out of emotion because up until now i've always been a full size on full size stop and then scale on the way with take profits or just take a full stop on the full position mm -hmm. and i've never really had that bug or that urge to you know i put on a full size and then it dips a little bit and so i double up i've never had that well i have that. <laughs> <laughs> no, i have so enough. maybe that maybe that uh, little 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 blurb there was just for uh was just for for me to say that if anyone else has ever done that i've done it just a reminder and, uh, for the weekend yeah <laughs> you know just Note not not a good habit yeah all right we got anything else uh to cover here on scaling or should we move on to the next one what uh scaling we're talking about adding contracts to uh to a position, but also uh, if you develop a strategy like Joel said, or like, like we were talking about, or if you just think about it in terms of, um, and this is as much to me as it is to anyone else. Okay. So like, because of my recent, some of the things I've been ch challenges I've been dealing with, um, there's no, there's no hurt. Like you cannot expedite because you would like something to be expeditious. The market will not yield to that desire. So no matter how mad you want, three a plus 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 setups every day the market's not doesn't owe us the, that mm -hmm. and it doesn't owe you that even during the week and, and it doesn't owe you anything for the month necessarily now if you get a, a month in and you can't find an entry you might need to address your strategy a little bit <laughs> unless you unless your strategy is like oh i'm going to trade one trade a month or something but uh, what i'm saying is um in the same way that it doesn't owe you and just because you want something to happen or would desire to be in great trades or or in trades at all, um, you can't force that. In the same way, with this, not just scaling as a strategy, but scaling as a way to build a larger position for you to make more and more points and have, have a bigger effect, there's also really no reason to be in a hurry with that. Mm -hmm. And so if you're, if mm -hmm. you're, I just, I just know for me, I mean, it's probably going to be a shock to you guys, but you know, my, my mistakes were, uh, like a couple years ago, year and a half ago, let's say 
year and a half to two years ago, the mistakes that would cost me were scaling way into way too much, like being in way too big of a position. Like, and so then when it goes great, it's really great. But when you take an L on that, it's like, Ooh, man, that is not fun. And, and if you're in any, and if you're in any way still developing how you look at the market and how you want to interact with it, and you exacerbate the cost of education by trading massive size because you want to make money really fast, you're just pushing the finish line further away. And so if you're thinking about scaling, do it slower. Do it so slow that it isn't exciting is what I would say. I think the other important takeaway too from this conversation is that whatever you choose to do or however you choose to approach it, just make sure it's to a plan. Like you've actually that can defined how you're going to execute it. So that way when it's yeah. in the moment, it's not being an emotional decision. It's actually a rational one. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Intentional. Intentional yep. is a great word for that. Yep. yep. And and we talked the other night too in that session, and uh, I don't remember how many people were still hanging in by like one a.m. But it went a long time. And one of the things we talked about was, and or maybe it was earlier, but just you know, with the idea of scaling, I just want to emphasize like if you don't have an account, you don't have anything to scale. You don't have a way to trade the next day. Yeah. Yep. So don't be in such a hurry to oh Joel's got a strategy where he gets to scale to four contracts and blah blah blah. I want to do that. I mean, yeah, maybe that's great, you know, and if that's what you want to do, figure out a way to do it, but do it in a responsible way because the worst, I mean, you know, if you have no account, what there's nothing for you to do that, that actually will matter at all. Yep. So just exactly. be, be okay with it taking longer than you think it should take. Be okay with trading smaller size than you think makes sense. You know, do, you know, just, just let it be. If you're listening to this program, then you're, most likely putting in the work. So really the key yeah. differentiator is going to be time. You need to make sure that yes. you've got enough time to stick around to figure it out. Yes. And and, it, and you go ahead. It's funny how you start out trading and you're in a flat out run. Oh yeah. To dude, try 100%. and get to the end of that race. And by the time you're, you either fall off the road 400 meters in. Exhausted. Like a lot of people do. With stitches. Or... <laughs> Um, <laughs> on a gurney <laughs> road rounds for miles yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, or you end up like I think by the time you get to where Kyle and I are two three four years in if you can survive that race this long uh, man yeah. we're walking yeah, yeah. we're yeah, still going sure. but we're, we've ground right down to a walk mm-hmm. uh, I, we can walk for days it's sustainable here yes yeah that's right? the key yeah, and I mean, then then you can make a, mis- a few mistakes. Yeah, and it yeah. Does, and, and 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 that's what I said today earlier in the in the chat to someone too was like, um, I, I was afraid to take my entry or I didn't take the entry. Every all my conditions were met, and I didn't pull the trigger. And I said, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Yep. You know, you just take a stop. That should not that should not be a thing that like that stop um, should be acceptable risk. If exactly. You've got it planned, yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding totally. that on over the course of a trading day, inevitably you will take a couple stops, and that should be okay. Everything mm-hmm. that should be in line mathematically with everything you're doing. If it, and if it's a, if it creates fear, it could be from outside something inside of you or something mental, but it could also just be that you're trading too much size, or you're you know you have unrealistic expectations. And so, um, yeah, man, just scaling is awesome, but do it slowly and responsibly, like like these guys, like we're trying. <laughs> 
Like yeah. We're trying. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and, and here's the thing. I was, I am trading smaller size right now than I was six months ago mm-hmm. or even five, four months ago by probably, I'm probably trading uh, 30, 40% less size right mm-hmm. now right. than I was two, two, three months ago. And, and that that's intentional because I'm in this new season, new challenges, new uh, a period of growth, and I I want to I want to feel relaxed and chill. And the last few days, the last week, we can couple. You know, it's, this has been really nice. It's mm-hmm. been really good for me. It's been enjoyable. I'm I'm I'm, I'm having fun. Um, and I think part of it was was just kind of accepting some of that that I just said to everybody else for myself, like, yeah, it's fine. Just no hurry, man. Just calm yeah. it down. Yeah. Everything just, just slow down a little bit. But that was always my big, my mistake, you know, years ago was um, just, Oh, I'm put on more size uh, next week, this more size next week, you know, and just this, this hurry, this race to what, and that's the, really the question that you probably need to spend time. If that is challenging for you, you, the listener grand a month. Yeah, like what? Right. Yeah, that's well, what okay. we're going for. Yeah. Right. That's. I mean, that's that's totally hundred grand now. The, I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's that's doable. I mean, right. it is. But you're but you're gonna have to build to that, man. Yeah. Let's see, ten grand a month. You know, where and get to where ten. Let's get to where that. Yeah, and let's get to where that's boring. Whatever it is, yeah. it needs to not get you excited. I believe personally. Yeah. All right. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Oh, we're getting a little long on this one. I had, right, sorry, sorry, sorry. Be, I had a feeling it was going to be a good one. I'm not too upset. Um, but let's move on. Let's uh, make sure we spend some time talking about journaling here. So, again, uh, Joe, I'm not sure where, what uh, direction you wanted to take this. Um, I'm assuming it's kind of more of a, like how we do it, how we use yeah. it as a tool kind of thing. Well, and I think that's the biggest thing is I think there's a big thing between a trade log and a journal. And mm-hmm. 
I brought it up as a topic because so many people do it so many different ways and it means something different to everybody. So I don't think you can copy somebody else's journal per se. Um, I know you can get ideas from other people, but I think it has to be about you and what fits you. And then the other part is the trade log and that's the actual writing of each trade where mm-hmm. you entered, where you exited, why you entered, why you exited. That's a good um, point, the, Joel. I think, and the outcome. I think mine is kind of started out as a hybrid, but has slowly shifted to being more of trade log and less of journaling. And actually, you mentioned not being able to copy other people's, but I'm going to try it because I copied a Purdue's grading system. I'm going to make use of that, uh, do some work on it this weekend. I may or may not have that same copy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, um, but I, I didn't so much take it from him to do what he does. Um, I like the idea of it. I mostly took it so that I have something to build off of. Yes. Right? It's a starting uh, point. He is an incredible journaler and all mm-hmm. of those things. And if you can take a small piece of what he does and kind of adapt it, it'll be super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I like the aspect of having it simplified to make it as easy as I can for me to actually do it. I think having all of those tools in like one spot, the way he uses notion to set that up, I think is just uh, brilliant the way he's got it put together. He made it so easy that mm-hmm. you are actually failing to not do it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Would would y'all care to expound on specifically what he does? So he's got everything kind of put together in Notion, which is uh, another like, I don't know, is that designed for journaling specifically or is that for just I, a building it's like websites? A work, it's a workspace. Workspace. It's almost, like, it's almost like OneNote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That sounds about right. Um, where you can add, share, and edit things. He has a grading system. He has like notes for like what I did well, what I like, what to improve on. He's got other like checklists that I'll put together. Like his whole notion is actually like a big working document that includes like his whole entire trading plan. Uh, like all the strategies are on there for reference. Like it's like something you could hand to a person and then they could learn what you do by spending some time with that document. Yeah. And, and his I is think- public, correct? Uh, I don't think the journal is. But the but the notion of how he organizes his strategy is very some public. of the stuff is public, is. yes. Yeah, but I would yeah. I don't think the whole document is no. Sure, um, but I think he would be a good one to talk to about it though. If he wanted to set up some time to go through it, either on an episode like this or just as um, that sounds like a good pop up Discord event, maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. I, was, I, I just wrote that. that I just wrote that down. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> great minds, huh? <laughs> but getting back to it, I was going to say I would love to know um, what you do because I think you've got still a crayon and a and a coloring book. That yeah, you man, put your stuff in right. Well, I hear you talk I, about it all I the do. time too, so I know that you have yeah. some yeah. kind of process in place. I do. It's changed somewhat over the years. So at one point, journaling to me was quite simply the trade log, you know, and the results. So I was using, I don't even remember the name of the software. I I sent it to somebody the other day. Um, But basically you export everything in there. It puts it all in a graph. You can tag the trades to a strategy. You can look at your trade duration, profitability, 
uh, average move against, average move for, how uh, efficient you are, all of the like math of yep. trading. Mm -hmm. And that's really where I spent the bulk of my time up until the last year, probably. I think that stuff is important too, though. It is definitely. I yeah. think one, I think it is very important, especially as you're growing, learning, or applying something new. All of that having stats is, just gives you confidence to execute. Just exactly. I was going to say, yeah. yeah, or tells you to move in a different direction. Yeah, you yeah. have to know that what you're doing is going that you're within the parameters of what's reasonable to expect off of what you're doing. And so if you take a few, a few losses, you don't freak out. Yeah. You're not guessing anymore. You have data to inform your decision making. Yeah. yeah. Or if you've built this strategy that seems foolproof and you execute it a thousand times and you end up down $1,200. And if you execute it 2000 times, you end up down 2,400. Uh, maybe it's time to tweak it or move on. But you right, never know right. that without those stats. Like yep. you might be yeah. just nailing your strategy, but it's a bad strategy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I spent a lot of time on that, and I would say that's like the technical side. And I don't want to downplay the technical side of having a strategy. I don't want to downplay the technical side of knowing your numbers and knowing your data. I mean, that's how I d decided that there was certain days of the week that I was going to trade smaller size, mm -hmm. just on principle because of looking at a you know a, a, a six months of data or one quarter reviewing quarterly data and be like a, and that was kind of my towards the end of when i was really aggressive at that that got to be my pace like at the end of a month i might look at, at everything or at the end of a a quarter i would look at the the whole and go okay how are we doing here and I, and I but but to be if i'm just to completely honest i really don't do that so much anymore mm-hmm um, don't, don't, don't hate me for it, but I don't, um, I don't, I mean, I still have, I mean, I still have like data on, like, I can tell you my, my stats for today, you know, average hold time when I, I got all that, that like simple in its simplest form, but I'm not so like about all the, all the data at this point, because what I've learned through my own trading, as well as through trader evals, especially is that that is probably like 30% of the, of this adventure. The stats like and the numbers, the stats and the numbers and, and having a strategy. That's the first, or I'll say 30%. That's the first big, you know, that's the first hurdle, right? Our big hurdle, the it. big first step. Yeah. That's the, that's the first thing. Then you have to actually do it. Mm -hmm. So you, it's, it's, it's what you know is true. And then it's the ability to, to apply that and in, in the real time of the moment and do it. And that's where um, that's where I spend most of my time now. So each day, um, I, I draw on the chart and I handwrite all of the levels stuff. Um, and then, if you've noticed, especially since our Rich Friesen, Friesen episode, it's real commonplace to say like, "All right, let's pull our head out of the sand for a second and see where we are." I feel like I say that a couple times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, meaning like I don't want to get so roped into what's unfolding that I forget the context I came into the day with when I was not emotional, when I was not up 2R or 10R or 20R or down 5R or whatever, when I was just looking at the information that was available and organizing it in the same way I do every day and coming away with areas that should carry some implication and, and inform me of where I want to do some business. So I write all that down 
and reference it throughout the day to make sure I'm staying within the boundaries. And if something crazy happens or if something's way off, which is, I mean, that still happens a couple times a month, but for the most part, day in and day out, it's within reason of what we're thinking, you know, at least in a big picture sense, it's going to unfold. The The way they do it sometimes can be a little bit of a conundrum, like, well, is that, that's how we're going to do this? But <laughs> but the, the, the place that I would say um, for me now that I focus the most into your, to answer the specifics of like journaling and, and categorizing all this is I will, um, I'll monitor two things a ton. So one of the things that we all know is we have these, uh, there it's different for everybody, but there'll be things that happen during the trading day that will, that are leading indicators for your emotional state. Mm-hmm. They're leading indicators for your decision fatigue, the lack thereof, or the presence of decision fatigue. And then there will be leading indicators for yourself emotionally for when you're starting to disagree with what's happening. So when you find yourself in a conflicted state, and we've talked about this before, who would be buying here? Who would be selling here? That's for me, those two thoughts, those are paramount. If I think that or if I feel that, that's like yellow light for me. Like I know that that can precede me um, trying to will something into existence in in the in the in the market. You want to hear something funny? Just kind of yeah. On go ahead. Thought. No, no, no. Hit it. Uh, that uh, thought is what goes through my head now when I'm trying to convince myself to stay in a trade. Like I'll just kind of repeat that. Like who would be buying this right here? <laughs> yeah, I mean for me that that's a that is my internal voice and mind telling me that I am not clear on what's happening. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think, Baba, you don't know what's going on anymore in this moment. I think, well, who would be doing this? This make this, Why are they doing it this way? That is my internal way of saying to myself, you don't, you're not clear in the moment. Yeah. And so while, while it would be better for me if my internal voice and emotions would just use real plain language like, stop you're wrong that's not my that, that's not my inner voice and my inner voice is one that more puts the blame on the market or other people so now that i'm clear on that and i only got clear on that by spending a lot of time as the day was going writing some things down like before or after have making a mess of a trading day mm-hmm. thinking like what what was i thinking literally what was i feeling and and those leading things there, there's another the other triggering thing for me and and probably for a lot of people is when today i was so proud of today right of me of me and i know that sounds weird to say but because i wanted so badly we we said okay one hour equal lows we want to see that sweep down to like i think it was 68 or something like that we want and i want to be so much on bid right there because we because the day before or last night or whatever when we rebid that 70 spot like multiple times down there then it was a key key spot for continued upside so then we came into the day with equal lows and we said in chat wrote it down drew it up we want to sweep that and then if i were short i would be closing up click like get out of the short (laughs) or be finger over the button because this is like rocket fuel if we sweep those one hour lows and get going to the upside. Now, if we go up first, I'd be much more comfortable with a short targeting a sweep of those lows. But if we go low first, sweep that, we're going to go. Well, 
we did that. And I don't, what do we have news pending in like five minutes or 15 minutes? And I was like, well, typically I don't want to trade or be in a position coming into the news during RTH. So we'll wait. And then they didn't give the great pullback. And then all, all of this thought of like, I've missed the perfect opportunity for today. That would normally be really hard for me. If Mm -hmm. I have a trade idea and I want to execute it and it's planned out and I miss it, or I can't, or I choose to not execute even because of a condition like news, it's that, that in the past would be a thing that would flip me over the line and I would do foolish things. Mm-hmm. And so I know that there's like two or three things that are super triggering for me, that being one of them. And I know what they are. And so I only know what they are from writing stuff down throughout the moments of a trading day that wasn't going great. When it's going poorly is when we need to journal the most and when we feel less, the least motivated to put the effort in to do it. And I would say, and you said that before, Kyle, yeah. that's your quote. If I and, don't want to do it, and, then I know I need to because there's something yeah, there that I'm afraid of. Exactly. So so now for me, and this is a classic long-winded Baba answer, but now for me, <laughs> I write all that down. I trade. I pull my head out of the sand. I go back to my notes on the on the levels and the plan for the day, where I want to be long above, short below, where I want to target, all that good stuff. And then and then the the next part I think is absolutely like this is worth its weight in gold. I will then go back and write, like when we finish trading, I used to do it later in the day. And lately I've just done it right as I feel like, all right, that's probably all I'm going to do today. We're, we've, uh, you know, that the, the time of the day or the where we've gone, I've taken what I'm going to take. I'm not comfortable trading anymore. Decision fatigue, whatever, I'm done. Closing up shop. I'm going to write down, I'm going to write the day out. Like I write two or three pages about that day i mean there's three three pages of writing that talks about how the auction unfolded what did i notice that stood out to me what do i think i overlooked what do i need to maybe add to something like uh like an uh a journal that that i keep up with strategy or implementation in and then like just how did i feel about the day overall was i satisfied with my ability to stick to the plan was I off a little bit? I just think the, that emotional side of just journaling that out because I couldn't tell you how I felt or thought about Tuesday and how the auction unfolded and where I missed opportunities and where I where I captured opportunities looking back from now unless I flip back to this thing and I can read about it. I can go back to the 29th and read about scaled multiple shorts from 56 to 64 down to the 30 area. The low just wouldn't break traded below blah 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 i mean it's the yeah. day's auction mm-hmm. and dude yeah. reading back through that is just it's it's awesome go to the end of a week and then read back through you know 10 15 pages of how did this week's auction unfold and look at the chart and just you're just learning so much hmm. even still 6 years in or whatever it's just i i couldn't recommend that more if someone if you if you guys aren't doing that or if anyone listening isn't like find a way to squeak 5 more minutes in and just write out the auction and how you re- responded to it, and what did you overlook? And I don't know about you, Joel, but I've taken notes. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I got a lot of them here. Yeah, I love this. You have to when he's talking. You have to. Like you know, um, this, this is a little bit of my ugly for the week. But what well, should uh, we just go into go that? That's the next topic here. We're already almost at an hour. Let's go to good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just let me let me stick the music in and then you can just keep on going. All right. Okay. Um so the ugly was that I had a 
I guess it was either a hundred or ninety-eight point runner come all the way back to break even. I don't know oh, if y'all were that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that hurt. Yeah. So, well, and it was on a full standard lot too. So that was like a like a, well, you can do the math. It was a lot of money. But the point, I mean, yeah, it was ugly or whatever. But the coolest thing is, I journaled after that day, and what was the thing that like. There was two conflicting things. I've had a habit lately of scaling ahead of targets on runners, and mm-hmm. that's costing me money. If I look at my trading as a whole, we can at least attribute you know, uh, $20,000 from one week of scaling ahead of targets instead mm-hmm. of letting the trade p- to go to fruition. So if that means that the me sticking to that means that that if if I'm not dynamic enough right now to realize the things I need to realize to just cut it at 90 points or whatever, um, you know, that's fine. But I'll take the discipline of just going, this is my entry. This is what I want to see. Um, I'm, now we're all the way down here now. I've scaled off everything else. So what this is whatever. Um, I want to see overnight low traded through and that's where I'm scaling. We went two points in front of overnight low and then traded all the way back through. Now, the only conflicting thing there is that we were above us that that really special low and or that swing low that we were talking about needing to hold. We were above that. So, you know, but the short side trade was the great opportunity for that day, which can be funny the way that that happens. But when I read back through the notes from this journal, the thing that I noted was I had a perfect long setup come in. Mm hmm. Um, we, we rebid an area multiple times on multiple time frames, And then the last nail in the coffin was a hundred lot seller that got completely just soaked. We bounce up 15 points, trade back down. We get 20 lot seller, 20 lot seller, 20 lot seller, 20 lot seller over the course of three minutes. Every one of those sales got nothing. Bam, bam, mm-hmm. bam, bam. Then we, then we clear those highs, come back right to that area again and rebid and that was the low for the next for the rest of the day if i didn't have if i didn't pull out and journal that stuff down those very specifics you know i wouldn't be able to i wouldn't know that i wouldn't have that in my mind in three weeks when i'm reviewing stuff i wouldn't Mm -hmm. know that so while that was an ugly it's also like you know i think it's also really um great that gives you something now to look at, like, okay, maybe now I've got a reason to cut a position early because exactly. I got an A-plus long set up when I'm short. Well, that's, and that's exactly what I wrote is yep. the only thing that will take a runner out is a failure to take a key low, like, because I can always enter higher. So if I'm mm-hmm. in a runner and we come to a, a, a daily low, overnight low, and we stall a few points in front of it, that's we know that's the NQ special, right? So it's, it, it, you know, if we can't get back through there in the 15 minutes, then by time that can just be cut. Yeah. 15 minutes is enough time if they're going to do it. And then the other thing is just, I was so proud that, that I didn't let that wreck the rest of that day or this week. Cause that's, yeah, that could that's happen. Huge. I, I was surprised it didn't actually, cause yeah. you know, you're still, I think you took another short later and I was like, damn, like. Yeah, we he's still we went, firing bullets after having that thing come back in his face. Yeah, and I made and he uh, looks calm. <laughs> yeah, I made like uh, I made another like fifty something points or so off of that trade. Right, because we all we did is sweep that high by like 12, 15, 20 points, and then it did the same. We you know canned the buyers, and I was like, well, and you even said that. 
That looks the same thing. Yeah, I scaled that trade off though because I was like, you know what, we're we're late in the day. This is past when my prime performance is. So I'm in profit decent on the day. I'm in profit decent on this trade. So I'm just gonna cut this right here and be done. And I was like, that's a good middle ground, like that's yeah. a good enough kind of day. It's like nothing to write home about, but I mean on un- uneventful. That's one of the best uglies that you could ever have. I know, right? <laughs> if you're going to paint an ugly. I wouldn't even call that an ugly. I'd yeah. actually call that a good. Well, I call that an I, – I did call it an ugly. My good for the week is just I feel, feeling great, man. Like, That's awesome. I know. Me too. Just feeling like a, like a boss. And it's not because the market went straight up. No. Because that wasn't necessarily easy to participate in all the time. In fact, I think a lot of people may have found it somewhat difficult. It was prolific upside movement. And everyone wanted to fade it maybe. Yeah. But for me, I just, I don't know, verbalizing a lot of the stuff that I've been dealing with has been therapeutic, honestly. So I appreciate this forum, this forum and this format to do it. And oh, we appreciate your honesty, man. Yeah. Well, and if it makes me look like a, someone who doesn't know what they're doing, that's okay too. If it makes people inspired, that's okay. But for me, it just feels great to be able to talk through that with people and hear you guys' input that are around me and trading every day and, you know, Banks and Flary and other people who aren't here tonight. But um, I just feel like talking about all that and then like getting it all out there and just being like, all right, this is where we are. And it's no secret. Like everyone's watches my trading every day. Not everyone, but you guys all see it every day. But, um, I don't know, man, just feel like a heavy backpack is not on my shoulders. And this week has been fun. Like the tr- trading this week has been fun. Really fun. This week, this week Welcome has been back. a turning point. That's yeah. my good too, is, is actually it all kind of stems from that AMA that we did on Wednesday Dude, that Cleo real. put together for us. Yeah. That after that conversation, like I just felt like it completely like recentered where my focus was and it was somewhat catalytic. It was, it was, ah, I don't even really know how to describe it, but I could tell you that my trading on Thursday and Friday was night and day compared to the rest that, of the week. Isn't that interesting though? And you didn't yeah. learn a new trading skill. That's that's, no, the thing. that's what I'm talking about with the mental side and the, and the emotional side is it's such a big part. Um, it doesn't matter how smart you are and how much technical capacity you have. There's some other metric that emotional stability and even just like how you're feeling and that plays mm-hmm. so heavy into um your ability to actually perform at the standard that you know is reasonable and it feels great to do that <laughs> yes yeah i would agree awesome. man uh, yeah. i guess i should probably finish mine up then huh yeah maybe all right so my bad i did end up using a reset it was the free one i got from the top step and uh, you want to guess which account i had to reset i already know joel do you know you had to reset the one you care about, probably. Yes, actually, yeah. yeah. It was not my Top Step one, the Top Step X account. It was the other one, which yeah. I thought was kind of shocking because the one I've been slinging minis around on for the last two weeks has been the other one. <laughs> Might be something to learn there. Still alive. Yeah, I think there is. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely gotten better, too, though, as I've been kind of putting more of the strategy into it, too, rather than just being willy-nilly with the clicking the buttons whenever I felt like it. Because before I was kind of using it as a distraction. Yeah. A strategy when you're comfortable. Yeah. Right? Is powerful. Yeah. It's, it's something about not caring about that account that makes it easier to execute it. And then t- when you actually put the strategy behind it, like, I don't know. Yeah. Definitely onto something there. Uh, the ugly, this one's kind of a weird one. I almost wasn't sure whether I wanted to talk about it or not. But I've been doing uh, 
options series with Eric Smolinski on Wednesdays over on his channel on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that we've been working on is a paper trading account to try to prove out some different options structures that I've been developing, uh, learning from him. Uh, I had a short iron condor on for Apple. Um, not that much risk. I think it's maybe less than 2% of the account probably. Uh, but I let fear completely dictate the closing of that trade. Like I felt the fight or flight instinct, like when I watched Apple drop below my cut it point. And like, if I had taken a moment to look up and look what the markets are doing and be like, Oh wow, this, no, this is, this is going to rebound. I think it would have been pretty obvious that tech was going to be, you know, getting some tailwinds from meta and the rest of the stuff that had already happened. But I just think it's funny because that's a paper trading account. Like how, how can you still feel that strong of an emotion on an account that actually has literally no consequences other than maybe making me look stupid if I take a max drawdown and have to talk about it next week? Yeah. It's wild, hey? Yeah. I guess that yeah. maybe shows me that I care more about what people see than I necessarily thought I did. Yeah, I was going to say how much I was going to ask the question, how much do you think it mattered that you know you're going to be talking about it on a video with with him like how much did that play into the what you were feeling you know i i'm sure that some of it was and i mean to be honest too like i i think maybe i'm being a little hard on myself i think it was more just noticing the amount of the amount or how strong the emotion was that kind of caused me to pause and really look at that because like what i did was still according to the plan that i had drawn up for it like if it's right if that option goes in the money then i cut it immediately and then just eat the loss so i followed the plan but yeah. wow, the way that fear kicked in was <laughs> impressive. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's super interesting. interesting. All right. All right, Joel, I, I spilled my guts. What, what? I don't have, I usually do, but I don't have much guts to spill. Um, I only have a good because I haven't been doing any quote unquote live trading. Um, I'm in full R&D mode. And... Mm-hmm. I'm working on building an actual actual strategy that fits my life, my trading time, and what I want to accomplish. And it is just so rewarding. Um, you also took a little bit of time away too, didn't you, Joel? Like you took a little bit of a break. I did take a little bit of time away. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's paying in dividends and it's it's fantastic. I mean, I used to be, oh, I should add this. Oh, I should try that. And taking the time to do it my way for me, I know enough stuff. I've learned from all of you guys. I've learned from Flurry. I've learned from George. I've learned from everyone. I know what to do. Now I just have to do it. Right. Um, right. And I can make it mine. And it's been awesome. I'd, so that's my good is that I'm in R&D mode and I'm enjoying every moment of it. And I love that you went so far outside of what everybody else is doing too. Like- I mean, you got Renko bars on there. It's completely different. I love it. Renko bars, and I am trading pre-market. Look out. Right? <laughs> Dude, Renko can be a comforting uh, yeah. way to stay in something, mm-hmm. you know, kind of disguising some of the wiggle of the market. I got, So if you notice today and yesterday a little bit throughout the day, my main screen that I'm sharing would just be gray. 
and I'd be looking at a different screen because I actually have a Renko chart over like similar to like another person in the room uh, that I'm just kind of I'm eyeing and I don't want to share it on on screen just maybe eventually. But right now it's a little confusing. It's just like a little it's a little confusing and it's a little project. But, um, dude, I mean, I heard a lot of good things about the old Rinko chart lately. So every time I look at it, I like it. I can't wait to see what you share uh, next Monday. Getting what I'm doing. And for the context today, I took a 62 point runner on one and a half points of heat with a four point stop. And you did that in pre-market. It ran into uh it ran it was right after the news and it ran into and it ran into the open nice um but that don't matter time of the day doesn't matter to me right if the setup's there you run it i love that you you completely created like something that is for you yeah yeah i like that so much better too not not than 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 some of the other stuff that I like then the last thing you were working on, it just made me nervous for slippage and like seeing, like hearing that just makes me think like that's, that's sustainable. That will translate. That's, that's up the right street. Yeah, exactly. That will scale. That will scale. Right. You know? Right. So it's got, I was hoping that by the end of February, I would have something um, written out that I could, um, start to back test. I might be there by the end of February. Hmm. The way I'm building it is I'm just, um, I'm trading quote unquote live in the morning, watching for the setup and then adapting as I go mm-hmm. making changes and stuff. Um, I'm not, I haven't tested anything yet. I'm still developing, but that's my good. I got no bad. I got no ugly just cruising. It's fantastic. It, that's a good in and of itself. Yeah. It's a good place to be. <laughs> You can Absolutely. walk away from this and not have anything shitty to talk about. That's a, that's a win. <laughs> Wait till my bold prediction, though. <laughs> well, I think it's time for that now that you teased it. What do you got, Joel? You want to go first? My bold prediction in the spirit of riding together and dying together, Kyle. Oh, no. My bold prediction is that Kyle will be, by the end of February... Uh, up money in his PA account. Oh shit. That means I got to trade my PA account. (laughs) (laughs) I've been actually considering that. That is implicit in the, uh, in the good is that you would trade it. That would be necessary to be up. Okay. All right. I still have a PA account. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can play along with it. Okay. Um, I had a hard time trying to think of one cause I already went pretty bold. The last one. All right. We got any hockey fans in here besides me? I know it. We don't. We don't have ice where I live. So. All right. Well, fair <laughs> enough. What do you got? Okay. So this is probably going to mean much to anybody, but baby Joel, uh, I'm going to predict that we got the All Star Skills Competition going on this weekend. I'm predicting yep. that Connor McDavid does not win the Skills Competition. Ooh. And I'll tell you why this is bold. Not only is he like the generational best player in the league right now, uh, he also helped design the skills competition this year uh, so he was the one who like picked out all the <laughs> the different events to try to i'm get good at this let's do that <laughs> exactly um wow. i'm gonna say that quinn hughes actually wins it he's a defenseman for uh vancouver i like it that's a good prediction that's a bold prediction let's see 
how terrible it does, though. Wow. Uh, ba- Baba? Okay. We got trivia next week? Well, we do have another trivia, and I'm going to go, I'm going to boldly predict that we, I'm going to go where we haven't gone before and say that that one is a, is an L. No, you can't predict that. No. Can you? I've got to. I've got to. It's got to be bold. I think that we're going to sweep three-peat, no problem. That's almost a win in itself, though. If you lose, you get your prediction, and if you win, you still win. <laughs> there you go. Plus, I got judged so harshly last time by saying we were going to win. Everybody's like, that's not bold. <laughs> so, I, so, all right, I'll predict I that we lose. I think the better prediction is that your wife is going to do it without any help. That I mean, I would need to predict that she would have to have help because all she's shown so far is that she needs none whatsoever. <laughs> but we should make Banks's prediction that Baba answers the winning question. I was actually going to make a prediction for Ooh. Banks that he has a better week this week than he did last. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Poor I've, guy. It, that and the thing is, he there were some. Yeah, there was a couple like there was a trading like he one part of his week was trading related, but he finished on a really, really high note. I mean, this, today was yeah, today was I mean, really great for him. It was a good day, um, but yeah, dude, the rest of his fiascos, which I don't know I'm how not much gonna, we should share, I'm not gonna, we should yeah. let him. We'll let him, let him talk about next story. We'll let him tell that story yeah, next week. <laughs> oh my god, I I laughed so hard when they were y'all were talking about that last night. <laughs> Like I was crying. That might be the hardest I've laughed in like weeks, yeah. dude. I was dying. Oh, is he messaging us? I was dying. <laughs> yeah, he's messaging us. <laughs> All right, guys. Okay, so I've got Connor McDavid. He's not going to win the All Star Skills Competition. Quinn Hughes, I think, takes the million dollar prize. Uh, Joel is predicting that I'm going to make money in my PA account for the month of February, which means I'll have to start trading it again. Uh, Baba, you've got. You're betting against yourself, which is yeah. kind of surprising. But That's that right. is brilliant. bold. I like it. It's that's brilliant. Bold. Very bold because I'm very motivated to not lose. So D- Yeah, that's the real question. You're not going to throw it, are you? Oh, freak, no. Okay. I wouldn't know. His wife right. controls no. it. He can't throw it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she won't write it down. <laughs> no, she's, she's, always, she's the one writing them down, so there's no right. chance that she throws it, bro. No chance. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for today's episode, guys. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to Bob and Joel for joining me on this fine evening. Everyone listening who's stuck around to the end here, please, please, please show our panelists some love and check out their links in the show notes. Remember, you can check out the new combined Discord where you can trade with us on Friday end periods. You can listen in live to these recordings. And you can also join in on that strategy and back testing. Uh, we got the next one coming out on Monday. Uh, check out Bonta Trading if you want to see what Baba and his friends over there offer. The live morning commentary. They joined us Friday and just knocked it out of the park. Uh, we'll be back soon with another exciting episode. Hopefully as impressive as I don't even know what I wrote on there. Hopefully as good as a completed script, but until that day, smash that five-star rating, leave a review, and have an awesome day. (laughs) Nailed it. Yep. Nailed it. That one was brilliant. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only, does not constitute financial or investment advice, and should not be construed as such. The hosts, guests, and contributors of this podcast are not licensed financial advisors, brokers, or professionals. Any trading or investment decisions made based on the content of this podcast are solely at the listener's discretion and risk. Trading and investing in financial markets carry inherent risks and past performance is not indicative of future results. Listeners should conduct their own research and seek advice from qualified financial professionals before making any financial decisions. The views, opinions, and information shared in this podcast are those of the individual contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of the podcast creators or associated organizations. Produced by China Shop Productions. (laughs) 